Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. The funeral visitation has begun, and this time it's your family that's being visited. It's your loved one's remains that are across the room. You stand there in the funeral home, taking in the dim yellow lighting, the awkward silence that fills the room just like the stale air. You watch as parents pull their children off to the side and explain to them why their loved one isn't coming back. You can't help but feel nervous as you walk up towards the rest of your family members, standing shoulder to shoulder as you greet those who've come to pay their respects, even trying to muster up a smile. The visitation begins, the line works its way to you, and you see a familiar face. Your coworker, Jim. It's been your coworker for 10 years. He comes up to you, shakes your hand, and says, I know how you feel. Really? Is this your loved one that's dead? Oh no, it's mine. You want to snap back. You want to say you have no idea what I'm going through, but you know his words are well-intentioned and you appreciate that he took time out of his day to come and visit you. So you thank him for his words and you try and compose yourself before the next person comes up. The next person in line is a family friend, Cindy. She comes up and gives you a big hug, calming all your nerves. She then says, be strong, don't cry. Again, you want to snap. Are you serious? Do you want me to smile, laugh? Should I act like this is the best day of my life as I have a constant reminder that my loved one is dead? But you don't want to cause a scene and You know she meant well. You appreciate that she took time to come and try and offer comfort. So you thank her for her words and you just hope the visitation hours end quickly. The line dwindles down and everyone has passed by. You breathe a sigh of relief that you no longer have to hear any more of these ineffective attempts at comfort. But then one last person walks through the door and they're not like anyone else you've seen that day. They don't avoid eye contact. They're not nervous trying to come up with the words to say, but instead they walk in with an arrogance, a cockiness, and a smug look on their face. Their name is Mr. Death. And they come up to you, look you in the eyes, and say, Well, your loved one, we're pretty tough. They almost fought through. They almost held on. But I guess he wasn't strong enough. Did you think that she would live forever? You had plenty of time. And the last thing death says haunts you. Mr. Death says, I've won. When Death says, I've won, it 
grabs our attention and leaves us speechless. On our own, we have no response as we experience another loss, another defeat, another death. But through the prophet Isaiah, this is what the Lord says. He has a message for Mr. Death and for you. The Lord says, I have swallowed up death forever, and you will be rejoicing. In ancient times, a burial shroud was something, a large cloth that was placed over the top of someone who was deceased. In many ancient cultures, you could expect to find individual strips of linen wrapped around a body with this large burial shroud laid over the top. In our culture, we bury our loved ones in their best clothes, their finest suit or their prettiest dress. Or maybe our loved ones are cremated, placed in an urn or scattered somewhere. No matter what the burial custom may be, whether a burial shroud is placed over her, whether he's buried in his finest suit with a sharp tie, whether her ashes are placed on the mantle, or whether his ashes are scattered on top of a mountain, it doesn't matter. Because there's one particular thing that we have to confront, a particular victory that death seems to be claiming that he has won. We face Mr. Death at the loss of a grandparent. For many of us, this is the first of many defeats. We face Mr. Death at the loss of a spouse. This is the lowest of life's lows. We face Mr. Death at the loss of a child, the defeat that is dreaded far more than any other. When we experience death, when we experience defeat, it feels as if we are walking through the shadow of the valley of death. And it is grueling. It is cruel as death's ring echoes, I've won, you've lost, your loved one lost. And death is shoving something in our face far worse than heartache or pain. In that valley, death is shoving sin in our faith, saying, you knew they weren't perfect. You knew what the apostle said, for the wages of sin is death. You knew this is what was going to happen. But still we look at death and we say, this isn't how it's supposed to be. It shouldn't be that I watched my, that I watched my loved one go through a horrific disease in which they no longer remember my name and experience a slow death. It shouldn't be that my loved one's diagnosed with cancer and it's terminal. It shouldn't be that a parent has to bury their own child. This wasn't the design. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, have brought sin into the world and the result of sin is death. 
The wage of sin is death. And as offspring of Adam and Eve, we all inherit this guilt. We will experience death. And if Mr. Death had indeed won, we would be stuck. We would be paid our wage for sin, death. But there would be something far worse. We would be separated from our God. Sin would create this curtain, this wall, in which we could never get to a relationship with our God. It appears as if we may be stuck, as if death has won. But this is what the Lord says. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people. And this is what the Lord says. The Lord will prepare a banquet of aged wine with the best of meats and the finest of wines. And this is what the Lord says. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. And what is this mountain of the Lord? Isaiah uses picture language to describe the heavenly banquet that you and your loved ones are invited to. And it's not just the best food you've ever eaten, the choicest ribeye, the perfect glass of red wine, fresh barbecue from 12 bones, or the perfect dessert. No, it's, it's far better. What's at the banquet? It's the Lord's blessings, and they are bountiful. At this feast, you will consume the blessing of being in the presence of Jesus, of being and seeing your Lord and Savior face to face at this feast. You will partake of the blessing of no more worry, no more sin, no more pain. And the greatest blessing that is put out on the table is that the Lord has swallowed up death forever. The beauty of celebrating All Saints Sunday, of remembering those who have gone before us, the saints, is knowing that while we may have to wait on that feast for a while, our Christian loved ones are already there. They are partaking in the blessings. Your mom who experienced the horrors of cancer, the pain of chemo, she's there at the feast, enjoying the blessing of no more pain. Your son, who you read Bible stories to from little on, who you encouraged to grow in their relationship with their Savior, he's there at the feast, partaking of the blessing of being in the presence of his Savior forever. There's a loved one that you can imagine who's there at the feast. A Christian who walked this life before you. Think of them. Think of their face. For me, it's my grandma Joanne. A wonderful Christian woman who not only shared the love of my Savior with me, but showed me that self-sacrificing love of our Savior. 
and she's there at the feast, enjoying the fact that there's no more cancer, no more pain. All our Christian loved ones are there, partaking of the blessing that death has been swallowed up forever. Death cannot taunt them there. Jesus has made sure of it. Jesus is the one who has defeated death with death itself. He not only defeated death for a time, but he has defeated death forever. He came to this earth, lived a perfect life, perfectly fulfilled the will of his father, and was crucified, taking the culprit of death and destroying it. Sin, the result of sin. He has destroyed that with his Easter victory. Death cannot separate us from God any longer. No, our Savior's perfection is given to each and every one of us. And that is what allows us to be invited to the feast. Your Savior has hand-delivered a blood-stained invitation that allows you to walk into the glories of this heavenly banquet. Your Savior has defeated death. Jesus has defeated death. And this is not just for one person, one time, but this is for all people of all times, for your loved ones, for you. Jesus assures you that death can taunt you no longer. He says, I have swallowed up death for you. This is what the Lord says. Does this mean that Christians don't mourn at a funeral? They no longer feel grief or are sad? When the pastor says, where, O oh, death, is your sting? The Holy Spirit gives us some magic pain-numbing pill where we no longer feel any grief or sorrow. Or maybe we do still feel grief. We feel pain and heartache as we miss our loved ones. But a deception, a lie comes in that grieving, that missing our loved ones makes us a weak Christian. That somehow if I was a better Christian, I wouldn't become sad or miss my loved one. Baloney. Look how Jesus handled grief in our gospel lesson for today. Mary and Martha are grieving over the loss of their brother, Lazarus. And as Jesus comforts them and says, he will rise again, Martha gives this confession. She says, I know that he will rise again, Lazarus, on, in the resurrection on the last day. They knew that he would rise. They were not grieving with no hope. Rather, they grieved with hope of a heavenly resurrection. And heck, even Jesus cried at the tomb of Lazarus. He was deeply moved and wept. And he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus in a few moments. So grief can take different forms. It may appear as weeping. It might come up as 
you hear that one song that was your song, the one you shared with your loved one, and it just takes you back for a couple moments. It might be that holidays just aren't quite the same, and you can't quite express the same amount of joy as you once did. And grief might present itself as crying. It might be that you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table and your grandson shares the thing that he's thankful for this year. He says, the thing I'm thankful for is that grandma's in heaven. And you start to bawl. And that's okay. Jesus tells you this. This is what the Lord says. I, the sovereign Lord, will wipe away the tears from all faces. You and I grieve with the same hope and confidence as Mary and Martha. We know that those who have fallen asleep in Christ are there with him. Their souls are with their Savior, and on the last day, they will be reunited with their bodies on that last judgment day. And we can mourn. We can cry for those who we miss. Not because we grieve with no hope. That would be an error. But instead, we grieve with the hope of a heavenly reunion. This is how Mary and Martha grieved. And this is how you can grieve as well. And the reality is we do not have a God who stays far away, who doesn't understand grief or pain or heartache caused by death. It's the complete opposite. We have a Savior who experienced grief, who knows what you're going through. So when the meals from members start to dwindle and the weeks without your loved ones turns into months, Jesus is there with you. When you've spent a good chunk of your life planning for this one day, that day where you get to walk down the aisle and your dad isn't there, Jesus is there with you. When you tell that story of your spouse that always makes you choke up, Jesus is there with you. And he's not just there, but he's offering you a shoulder to cry on. He is wiping away the tears from your eyes. Death can make us cry for a little while, but it cannot make us cry forever. Jesus has made sure of it. He has assured it with his Easter victory, his resurrection from the grave. And this is worthy of praise. Praise that your loved one is giving right now. Do you want to know what your loved one is saying? What they're singing out as a praise to God? Look no farther than what Isaiah says. Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. As your loved one is on the mountain of the Lord, they are proclaiming God's praises. So is your grandma saying this to your grandpa? Of course. Is your mom saying this to your sister? Absolutely. They are joining in praising their God, standing there, at the feast, on that mountain, enjoying the full blessing that death has been swallowed up. And they are singing together 
Surely this is our God. I imagine it is the most deafening of sounds as all of these praises come together to form this loud, triumphant chorus. As all of God's saints say, Surely this is our God. He saved us. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Friends, when you go to your next funeral, you'll probably hear some of those phrases which don't offer a whole lot of comfort. You'll hear, I know how you feel. Be strong, don't cry. Maybe Mr. Death will even try and show up and offer some of his taunts that he has won. But Mr. Death does not have the final say. In fact, he has no say at all because Jesus has swallowed up death forever. He has something to say. The Lord has something to say. So do I. And so do you. So as we come to those who mourn, who grieve someone, a Christian whom they've lost, we can offer these words. I'm sorry for your loss. I can't imagine the pain that you're going through. There's not a whole lot that I can say to offer you comfort. But this is what the Lord says. Jesus has swallowed up death forever. Your loved one is enjoying the full banquet, the full feast of God's blessings. They are there in the presence of their God, singing his praises, saying out, surely this is our God who has saved us. And one day, you will get to join them in praising your Lord and your God, exclaiming, surely this is our God who saved us. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. This is what the Lord says. Amen.